One of the cool things about this business from time to time is that occasionally we get a brush with greatness. I've uh, had the opportunity in the course of my professional career to meet celebrities, people in the sport of horse racing, baseball, boxing. I met some greats in my career as uh, a journalist and radio talk show host. Joining us right now, uh, our next guest, who had a little bit of a brush of greatness herself this past weekend, one of many throughout her uh, phenomenal career as uh, a member of the Dallas Cowboys radio network staff, but maybe not as memorable as the meeting she had at the Jacksonville Jaguars Dallas Cowboys game last weekend with the notorious one, Connor McGregor. Joining us right now on the Fox phone lines, our next guest. She is the sideline reporter for the Dallas Cowboys, and she's our very good friend, Christy Scales. Christy, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, it's the only time that my nephews have ever been impressed with my job. Uh, <laughs> when I got a, a picture uh, with Connor McGregor before the game Sunday, but I can say that, you know, we've had everyone on the Cowboys sideline, you know, from President Bush to LBJ to Prince Bandar from Saudi Arabia, from Moses, Charlton Heston, you know, to <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, you, you name it. We've had a lot of star power, but no one has created the energy that Conor McGregor did on Sunday. And the warm-ups were nearly complete. I mean, they were in, like, the team portion of warm-ups nearly, and everything just stopped. All the players just turned to look. You know, Jay-Z didn't get that kind of reaction. I'm LeBron. It was just uh, amazing. But I've never seen a more accommodating celebrity. I think Conor McGregor was on the sideline for 15, maybe 20 minutes tops. He, several hundred pictures. I wouldn't be surprised if he posed for like a thousand pictures because every single person on the field and on the sideline, all the VIP guests wanted a picture with Conor McGregor. Well, whatever it was that he delivered, whether it was a little bit of, you know, positive energy, some mojo, whatever it was, clearly it worked because the Dallas Cowboys went out and absolutely manhandled the Jacksonville Jaguars by a final of 40-7. to Was it more a case of Jacksonville's defense just doing a Houdini disappearing act, or was it more a case of the Dallas Cowboys' offense maybe finally getting themselves on track? I think it was more a case of matchups. Okay. Because on paper, if you just, I mean, if you just look at the stats, and I think we, we had both predicted, you know, a lower scoring right. game, right. Right? right? I'm not surprised that the Cowboy defense limited Jacksonville to seven points with all of their injuries and just, uh, you know, not being able to run the ball or anything. But, um, yeah, Cole Beasley, who uh, topped 100 yards, had two t- touchdown catches last week, uh, had nine catches overall and a lot of uh, third-down conversions. He was saying, you know, when we watched the film coming into this game, we knew that not only could we uh, beat these guys, but we could blow them out because it had to do with matchups, and they play a lot of uh, man coverage, Jacksonville does, because they have such good defenders and such confidence uh, in their DBs. But Beasley was able to defeat that, exploit the matchup with Tyler Patman, who's their uh, nickel corner. They also moved the receivers around to different spots, a little bit more Beasley in particular than they had in um, the previous games. And then Dak Prescott uh, with his uh, 83 yards rushing, that's a uh, career high for him. And there were a couple of scrambles, yes, but there were a few more uh, designed runs in this game. So, you know, let's not get used to that. You don't want to expose your quarterback that much throughout the course of the season. But I think they did a good job in um, 
picking their uh, spots. The other thing is, Steve, you know, when when um, the defense is playing a man coverage, then their back is turned to the quarterback, right, because right. they're following their man rather than a zone where they're waiting for someone to come into their area and keeping their eyes on the quarterback. So when those guys' backs are turned and you your uh, quarterback uh, runs, then you can get a, a few more yards because it takes them a little more time to uh, react. Christy Scales joining us here on the show. You mentioned the injury issues to Jacksonville, and clearly that was no more evident than in the run game where, again, without Leonard Fournette, they're, they're dealing with a running back by committee situation where it was T.J. Yeldon and Jamal Charles who had just been picked up earlier in the week. No surprise that running game did not work well. 18 combined carries for just 65 yards then. And then if you're doing that, if that's all you can get on the run game, then you're leaving it up to Blake Bortles, and certainly that you usually, at least if you look at Jacksonville, you know, the last couple of seasons, that doesn't work out well for the Jaguars. Yeah, and, and the, the Cowboys defensive backs had real good uh, games. Uh, Byron Jones, a couple of big uh, pass breakups, including one on fourth down. But I, I think it has to do with uh, mainly the great play along the defense on the run plays, the Cowboys D line was getting some penetration. The other thing that's important about the defensive line, you had David Irving playing for the first time this year. Randy Gregory got um, a sack. Uh, now, Demarcus Lawrence is dealing with a, a shoulder issue, a torn labrum, so he did not start the game, but he's been coming in on the, he would come in on the nickel pass rush. But the fact that you can have uh, Demarcus Lawrence out there along with Randy Gregory and David Irving, and then uh, it was uh, Malik Collins came back from knee injury after missing three games. Then, of course, you have Tyrone Crawford who can play anywhere along the line. This is what, you know, finally, with the defensive line, they had all the tools in the toolbox, right? And especially with that nickel rush, that's a formidable, uh, uh, you know, four guys on the line, especially with Irving that can bring pressure up the middle. And Malik Collins is, is really good at that, too. Christy Scales joining us here on the show. You can follow Christy at Christy Cowboy. She's a sideline reporter for the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. As they're looking ahead to their matchup on the road and the nation's capital is getting ready to take on the Washington Redskins. We'll talk about that game here in just a moment. Christy, I want to switch gears, talk about another team in the NFC East. And that, of course, the, the grease fire that is quickly becoming the New York Giants. Yesterday, we heard comments from owner John Mara talking about Odell Beckham Jr. should do more, should more be more concentrated on playing as opposed to talking. Clearly, you saw the game, I'm sure, the other night where they just got absolutely manhandled last weekend. Uh, it's a bad situation. It's not getting any better in New York. And certainly, when you hear the comments from John Mara and you know sort of that personality of Odell Beckham Jr., that's a storm that's not getting better anytime soon. Yeah, and what did they commit? Ninety million dollars, Mara did to, yeah. to Beckham uh, in the off season. So, yeah, and uh, I mean, Eli, he, you know, he's just a sitting duck back there. He's not mobile. You know, his strength is getting rid of the ball quickly. But that O line, you know, uh, I think we've joked before that nobody, you know, it's going to be hard for anyone, right. any of the great quarterbacks in the NFL, to have that kind of success when. Um, you know, when you're the lack of protection that he's getting, but, um, you know, they're still, they still have playmakers though, right? Saquon Barkley was the best player on the field and, uh, you know, so they can still be dangerous, but I think, uh, their problems may be more within <laughs> moving forward. If they can, if they can uh, protect Eli, he could, you know, they still got a great receiving core 
and then the, the ability to hand it off to Saquon, you know, they can still do something, but uh, they just have to improve along the offensive line. And I don't know, you know, you release Eric Flowers because you got nothing out of him the last few years. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I have to admit, though, that down in Dallas, we're pretty much enjoying it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can imagine. I could imagine very much so. Christy Scales joining us here. Christy, as opposed to the lack of a running game that we saw in Jacksonville, against Jacksonville this past weekend, you get a chance to see Adrian Peterson up close and personal. And this is kind of a, a cool story if you're an Adrian Peterson fan. And certainly his career has had some highlights and lowlights both on and off the field. But Adrian Adrian Peterson's had a bit of a career resurgence of late with the Washington Redskins last weekend, of course, rushing for nearly 100 yards and a Redskins 23-17 victory over Carolina. What's your takeaway on Washington coming up this weekend? Yeah, I tell you, they're uh, they're a lot better than I think a lot of us thought they were, were going to be. They're really good defense, too. Uh, number five total defense, uh, you know, not far behind uh, the Cowboys. So this could be a low-scoring game. But in regards to Peterson, I mean, 4.4 yards carry. He's, you know, he's doing a great job for him. And one interesting note is it relates to uh, the Cowboys. You know, Peterson has had such a fantastic career. He enters uh, Sunday's game needing only 125 rushing yards to move past Cowboy legend Tony Dorsett on the NFL's all-time rushing list. So, so AD, as they call him all day, is already in the top ten, but he can supplant uh, Tony Dorsett. And I think that'll be a tall order, you know, on Sunday, 125 yards. But, uh, you know, from a Cowboy fan standpoint, you don't want to see him move past Tony Dorsett against your own Cowboy Christy Scales joining us here on the show. Christy, injury issues out of uh, last Sunday that uh, are going to be a storyline for the next couple of days before Sunday's road trip to Washington? Cowboy receiver Tavon Austin uh, injured his groin in Sunday's game on that end around. He's going to miss at least a few weeks. That means that Bryce Butler, who's also been dealing with a groin injury in uh, practice, he will probably be active for the first time on Sunday. But also remember that Austin is the Cowboys' primary punt returner. I mean, Cole Beasley does share some of those duties, but it'll probably be Beasley as your primary punt returner now, and then Jordan Lewis, who's your nickel uh, cornerback, uh, would be the backup punt returner. And then you have guys, uh, the question this week is Sean Lee, who's missed the last uh, few games with a hamstring injury. Um, you know, do you go ahead and if he's able to go this week, do you play him on Sunday or do you rest him this week because the following week is the Cowboys' bye? Now, I say if he's healthy, healthy enough to play, play him because, as Coach Garrett points out, we only have 16 of these games each year. So if they're ready to go, go. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Oh, I think we lost Christy. Uh-oh. Yep, we lost her. Well, we will... Endeavor to get to the end of the hour here in just a second. Uh, but we appreciate Christy Scales being with us here on the show this morning. But it sounds like we lost her connection here on the phone line. Uh, we thank Christy Scales very much for her.